Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. This is it. This is Trading Spaces. Okay, we had a we had, we had a we had kind of uh, it was a big week. I mean, heading into the week, right? We knew that we had what thirty five percent of the S and P five hundred reporting earnings. We had the Fed meeting. We had the GDP on Thursday. We had all covered that on our podcast on the tape podcast that dropped last Friday. We also had one that dropped this Friday. We had Dan, uh, Danny Moses, Guy Dami, myself breaking down the week that was, but in a different way than we're going to do it right now, because we're definitely going to take some guests, some questions here. We also had David Rosenberg on today's podcast, which was um, pretty pretty great from Rosenberg Research, and he had some takes that I thought were really interesting. Guys, without kind of, um, you know, you got you to listen to that interview with Rosie, but, you know, Rosie thinks that there's a very strong likelihood that the Fed does not go in SEP. When, in, what does that mean, Danny? Does that not go? What does that mean? That means that they don't raise, right? But, but right. he's been yep. making the point that you've been making for some time that QT effectively is what? He said it was about, so far, it's been about one full percentage point. Would you say that as far as tightening the Fed funds? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how it's exactly measuring that in terms of um, what, what the impact is. It's probably even more than that. Um, but the fact that the Fed thought it would be a quarter to a half point is laughable. Because as I mentioned before, a lot of that volume will be front run out of their trade. Meaning if you know that they're not buying mortgage-backed securities, and they're not, they're not going to buy treasuries, obviously it loses its bid. So people go out and they sell ahead of that. So it exacerbates the anticipation, right? Legal front running, we we will call that, but so that's why I think that's underappreciated. All right, so guy, sure. what do you what do you make of that? Because this word pivot was thrown around all week. You didn't like it, um, the word pivot. Um, but the point is, if the Fed were to go less in SEP, then let's say CME Fed funds, the tracker is you know saying a, a high likelihood of fifty basis points at this point. If let's just say they were to pause, they were saying we're going to continue to be data dependent. Let's say the, the economic data continues to get weaker. Um, but they still have quantitative tightening in place. What, what does that all mean to you? The economic data is going to get weaker. I don't think any of us will argue that. The inflation data is not going to get that much weaker. Look at this PCE number today. I mean, Danny can speak. It's, it's ludicrous. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's getting, he being Jerome Powell, I'm sure he's getting a little spooked by, slowing data obviously i mean i don't really give a shit what people say i mean the definition of recession is what it is and we can be nuanced all you want but there you go two two quarters in a row of negative gdp that's a recession so that's here uh that was going to happen with or without the fed probably quite frankly and if they do pause good for them but guess what the inflation problem that they're correctly trying to knock down is just going to continue to get worse so but hold on guy good luck Um, with that pete guy i i I had my first ever retweet of um an account it's at e-l-o-n-m-u-s-k at elon musk i retweeted this this morning um he had a tweet inflation might be trending down yeah 
more Tesla commodity prices are trending down than up for what it's worth. Guy, just so you know, when you so see FWIW, so is that means- is that I mean, does he splitting the is he breaking news or she breaking news there? Yeah, I would well, agree with that. I think we all agree with that. So just for emphasis again, <laughs> the nine point one percent print was stupid. By the way, I mean I, the real inflation in this country with that print was probably closer to twenty percent. Number one. Number two, commodities could come off, let's say, 30% or so-ish. So you take 30% off 9.1, guess what, sports fans? You still have a six-handle yeah. in terms of CPI, which is still three times what these geniuses are looking for. So if they pause for whatever reason, that's going to give the green freaking light to the commodity market. And it's not coincidence, by the way. That Bitcoin has rallied up. Well, guy, what about your crude? You, you've been saying on Fast Money the last two nights since that Fed presser on Wednesday, you've been saying the same exact thing. And yeah. look at how crude is kind of back on its horse hey, here. Yeah. Hey, Dan, I just want to know you got some special guests coming up, but I just wanted really? to get into I, love, this. Yeah, I just want to get into this this thing because you know the same people that thought inflation was transitory are the same people that are calling for a soft landing. Let's just leave it at that, right? So it's really the, it's the same group um, and that, that wants to keep believing. The problem with that is, obviously, the Fed's only put rates back to where they were three years ago. I mean, in 2019, right? That's, that's where we are. Look at all the turmoil that's already occurred. But what would make the Fed – actually, and I, I agree with Rosie. As you know, Dan, you and I have a bet that they'll be cutting by the end of the year, that there is a chance they do nothing in September. And he said there's eight weeks between this meeting and the next meeting, and that's a very long time, long time for me to watch things. Here's the problem. If he doesn't raise in September, what happened? It means the economy slowed down dramatically and we have just begun the earnings degradation. And so there's going to be a market reset. So other side of Goldilocks is what uh, Guy just described in terms of oil going higher and so forth. It actually becomes self-fulfilling for more inflation. So there's a trap here. And I think it's a it's a bull trap. Not a bear. By the way, Dan, apparently I'm muffled, but I'll say this. If if those geniuses (laughs) want a soft landing, I mean, they could. I would suggest, and this is from my own history. They should Here go, comes. Some, go go grab some Cheerios, or you know, you can still get Metamucil in capsule form, and that will provide them with the soft landing that they're looking for. I thought Short you were going to say Sully Sullinger. Anything. Yeah. All right, let, let's, I mean, let's right. do this. Really, all right. they, really they really screwed us all. By all right, the way. Let's, just let's, so we know, uh, we, just so we understand. We, we got you. And this is Friday, so I'm allowed to say that. They screwed us all. And the fact that they didn't see it coming is really problematic. Back to you. Um, All right. Let's let's quickly hit this because, Danny, you just said something about the oncoming earnings degradation. I think we could all look at kind of what happened this week and we could look at the performance of the stock market and some of the names that reported, even names that disappointed and guided down. and, And most of them are up, right, for the most part. And so my question here is that, um, you know, there's been bottoms called, you know, here. I know that Tom Lee was out with a call today saying the bear market's over. Um, thoughts here, because, again, we've seen estimates come in, right, um, as in, we're seeing the beat rate in the S&P 500 above 70 percent. It's below the five year um, average beat rate. But again, you know, the numbers have come down a bit and we would expect it with all the headwinds that we're having with dollar and supply chains and the list goes on and on. Just curious thoughts here if this is just kind of like kicking the can down the road a little bit because we just haven't seen the sort of, um, you know, we, we just haven't seen the yeah, corporate like demand you. fall off in a way that, that yet, I guess. No, I, you know, I think the expectations, again, everyone's about like 
immediate gratification. I want to see that information right now. And it, everything is, is done like that, right? It's so manic. But we've just begun, Dan, to that point. I think we've seen peak earnings, at least for this cycle, on many companies. Are there companies out there that can make numbers? Sure. They probably revised them down last, last quarter and they made them or beat them. Are there great companies out there? Absolutely. Everything has its price. So I think what you're seeing is on some of these names that have rallied, let's be clear, those are quality names, many of them. Some of those bigger names, you can hide in them. So it's a great place if you're going to put money back into the market, knowing at least you're going to a company that has a decent business, a good balance sheet, and not an extreme valuation. So those things may indeed trade for a premium to some time. Those may be the last things that get sold, right, yeah. if we really have a sell-off again. So it just shows there's something always to buy out there, but I think we're at the very beginning. I, well, I will say really quickly, on this yeah. front, though, Guy Adami, Procter & Gamble, uh, what, what'd you just make of that, what do you yep. make of that guidance? Stock's down 5.5% <laughs> here, um, and that, that might be a little bit of a precursor for what we're kind of talking about here. Yeah, uh, ex exactly. And oh, by the way, uh, valuation-wise, Procter, Procter & Gamble is not cheap at all, given their earnings growth or projected earnings growth. So, no, but people, it's amazing. It's like I said the other night on the show. Thank you, Simon and Garfunkel. But And apparently, Danny, in that great movie, The Big Chill, your guy go. used this, but a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> well, what you know, hey, 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 listen, hey. We, we have our good friend Deirdre Bosa, oh, who's I'll shut CNBC's up now. I'm, 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 illustrious I'm tech re reporter here. And um, I'd love to bring Debo in. She's got a special on tonight, 6 p.m., with Kathy Wood and DanNiles.com of Dan Niles dot com it's going to be a tech it's going to be a techapalooza um at hey, 6 p.m eastern friday night so if you need a drinking game oh, right there it geez. is what, what, what did what, you so, impale yourself yeah I, we, we called him the annihilator that was the nickname that i gave him way back but apparently he didn't like that so by the way dan dan i know so we'll all get a little nuts here on friday but is that is yeah. part of that a um fundraising telethon uh, Debo you know, for that? No. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Wait, right, so, Debo, really quickly, <laughs> let's get to these earnings here because you covered them uh, pretty intensely all week. And one thing I think is really interesting is that, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Amazon um, all traded higher after the results here. Amazon's ripping. It's up 12% today. Microsoft's up at least 10% since it's reported. You know, Apple doubled the performance of the S&P over the last month and a half off the lows, um, you know, heading into its print. And Google trading pretty well. But here's one thing I think is really interesting. If you want to take something away from at least Microsoft, Google, and Amazon, is that all three saw their cloud businesses decelerate, I think in a meaningful fashion. I think people were pretty um, happy with the results, but is that something that you think is worth threading a needle a little bit as we think about enterprise demand in the back half of the year? And also we know that a lot of these um, you know, VC-backed private tech companies are huge customers, right, of all these cloud services, and then they might be cutting back and going out of business. All So curious your thought on that. I think Everyone, the big worry at the start of this week was, is this going to be, you know, this tech nuclear winter? And there was kind of this thinking, too, that maybe cloud expectations were too high. They're slowing. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected them to continue at the pace that they were. Um, but they look pretty healthy coming out of it. I mean, and the forecast from Microsoft, I would say each one's a little bit different. Microsoft giving that forecast is a big bullish signal, 40% plus growth in the current quarter. But notably, I didn't really get a lot from Alphabet. You can tell me if you disagree with me, please. But 
they didn't really give us a lot of color on the analyst call. They were asked numerous times. Do you think demand is going to slow? Do you think the contracts are going to take longer to sign? And they just wouldn't answer. So I think that's still a big question mark. Amazon, I think, was maybe a little better than expected because their mix of enterprise is smaller than Microsoft. People are going to continue, and I was one of them, trying to like poke holes in this cloud story, say this is sort of the next shoe to drop for enterprise spending, but I don't think we saw that this yeah. quarter. What, what, what do you think, um, just generally, now that we're kind of 70% of the S&P 500 in, and obviously huge contributors of the earnings growth is um, mega cap tech. What, what, any big takeaways in general? Any, any myths dispelled <laughs> um, over the last two weeks, you think? I think... Then my takeaway is it's nice to be a mega cap with giant businesses that, you know, you can debate whether or not there's antitrust issues. But even when you look at Microsoft, I mean, in this kind of environment, bundling is such an advantage to have. Um, So it's a relief that the mega caps are doing okay to good in the case of Amazon, very well in the case of Amazon. Um, But we see like a Roku today, even, you know, a meta snap. And the companies that are layered down, I'm curious to see the gig economy next week, the Zooms, the DocuSigns. I think you're going to see a lot well, more pain from them. What, what does gig, that mean, though? The mega gig are- sounds bad because gig is unprofitable tech, right? So yeah. it's as consumer unprofitable. The names that you mentioned prior to that were all this kind of this this headwind as it relates to digital advertising. I guess what I would kind of take away if you if you listen to what Procter and Gamble had to say in their call, and then you listen to Mark Zuckerberg and Evan Spiegel, and and you just what Twitter didn't say, and you got to say to yourself, or what Roku had to say, or even Netflix, which was not a great quarter. I don't know how all of this kind of um, this consumer facing um, ad supported tech in many ways, I don't know how that doesn't work its way through to some of the, you know, kind of enterprise trends eventually. That That's my take. God, you, or, mm-hmm. God, Guy or, or Danny, any thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I would say, though, listen, there was one line they had in the Procter Gamble quarter, quote, consumers are starting to cut back. You don't need to know anything more than that. You know, this is, these are large companies that can manage their earnings and so forth. But that to me was a takeaway. And that wasn't just about the second quarter, right? That was about this past month. So that's in real time. And so you can weave that into, the, you know, what you guys are talking about in terms of can, will earnings start to come in for some of these tech companies that are involved in that type of spending? The answer is yes, for sure. So. Hey, Debo, any, um, you spent a lot of time in Asia prior to coming to the West Coast here in the U.S. Um, thoughts on uh, China Tech here? Because, um, you know, I'm looking at Alibaba. Down, I mean, this, this is, this is a, a, a mess, and it doesn't seem like, like some of the sort of regulatory headwinds or whatever you want to call it um, from, you know, from the Communist Party. Like, that's not abating anytime soon. Are these, you know, we, I said it last night on our show, they just, they continue to be uninvestable. And to be able to look at an Alibaba yesterday at a hundred bucks down from what, what was it trading, you know, above 300, you know, two years ago and say that it's uninvestable. And then the next day to have it down 10%, it almost makes the case that it's uninvestable here. You know, I learned a very valuable lesson when I lived in China, and that's when I started my career in business news, and I saw how sort of um, the sausage was made, who these companies are accountable to, and I will always believe, I don't think you can convince me otherwise, that Chinese tech is something to trade and not to own. You called it uninvestable. I think if you're like a long-term investor, you're holding, you're not watching the minute-by-minute ticks, even if you are, you're just never going to know what the government's going to do. They don't even know. You could be in their good graces one day 
in their bag races the next day. Jack Ma found that out the hard way. And he's, you know, this international celebrity CEO. So that to me is just very simple. If you are trading and you're looking to sort of catch like a short trade on the upside or downside, then maybe it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Hey, what do you think of this? I was at a dinner last night. It was really interesting. Um, I'll just say I had an ad person from a large media company. I had um, a VC who sold an ad tech company, let's say, in the last 10 years, a guy from Snap and uh, another VC. And we're all kind of talking a little bit about um, Roku, which at the time was down 25% after those results. We're talking about Netflix results and what they're going to do in the ad space. And then we were talking about TikTok a little bit. And, you know, TikTok's an interesting one. One of my friends had just invested in one of the recent rounds in TikTok. He thinks that um, the company is doing everything in their power to kind of, um, you know, cleave off their U.S. or their their non-China operations, which was obviously something that they were kind of being forced to do a couple of years ago under the Trump administration. And I don't know what happened there. We've also seen the kind of data um, concerns about, um, you know, the Communist Party access to that data or having access to it. What do you think? Are you hearing any chatter about the likelihood of TikTok being banned in the U.S. That's one. That I think it's probably the only thing I agreed upon, agreed with uh, with Trump about here. So curious thoughts there. Do we see um, a TikTok ban? And and I guess I'll preface it. I'd love to get Guy and Danny back in this after you say this. I, you know, if if China were to do anything with Taiwan, that really, I, I mean, when you think about that and you think about reliance on supply chains there and chips and that sort of thing, you know, we would have to figure out economic sanctions event against their companies. And TikTok seems like an easy one. I, I guess I can start this. Um, I think there's always going to be chatter of banning TikTok, especially given what Beijing has done to our companies, Google, Facebook, Twitter, ton of them, LinkedIn now uh, not allowed to operate, but it's too big. It's too late. It's such an easy punching bag for politicians. Is it ever going to happen? I don't think so. If it, it kind of sets a dangerous precedent as well. And if it does happen, everyone's just going to get VPNs like they do in China to get on it. So I'm pretty skeptical of that. I think that they're probably going to say they're going to do everything to get it onto Oracle Cloud um, and divide it from the Chinese side. But before, I think it's more likely that before the lawmakers here are able to do anything to TikTok, maybe there's another social media platform on the app or another distraction or another target for them to hit. I agree with everything Debo said, Dan. Debo, I I got a different question for you because you've been the best person on these interviews um, you know, regarding Tether, crypto, and so forth. I saw you grill, I think, the CTO and the GC, right, a few times. Any thoughts there? I know Bitcoin's rallied here, but tokens, things have a little bit calmed down a little bit in the news. But you have any, any thoughts there? Um, well, thank you for the kind words, first of all. Yep. I think that Tether may be a great example of how scrutiny can be a very good thing for these companies. I mean, a year ago, we were questioning them hard on what they were holding probably scared them a little bit. Okay, maybe we should get rid of this Chinese paper because we're getting asked so many questions. Not just me, by the way. Jim Cramer's been really good on this. There's a number of other people who have been really, really good at holding Tether accountable as the largest stable coin. And I guess for those that don't know, the issue here is that it's supposed to be pegged to the US dollar, but really it's pegged to their reserve of assets, which no one knows what it is. They provide attestations, but it's very, very light on details. So the thinking was, okay, what is actually in there? Could they actually implode the whole crypto market? Lucky, unlike Three Arrows, they had time. They went from, what, like a $5 billion to $10 billion to eventually $80 billion market cap. 
by the time you're an $80 billion market cap, I think that there's ways to make yield that you can't when you're worth less. So it would be no surprise. It would be incredibly wise of them to clean up those reserves before they got to the point of implosion. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm guessing here, maybe that's what they did before it was too late. Whereas at three arrows was sort of really caught flat footed and unable to um, bring everything in and, you know, bring back bad trades by the time crypto exploded. Yeah. I think how, how they looked at and how they kind of, you know, you know, defined well, what was real collateral and what wasn't was, has always been and still is murky in my opinion. And, they were fined by the attorney general in New York, right? Way, way, way prior to yeah. this because of that. So it's not like they haven't done this before. So I just think it creates this instability in the market that if you're a, a pure crypto person, you should be speaking out against it nonstop because it's just not great for the industry because it'll just bring more eyes and more regulation onto it, in my opinion. So that's yep. the one thing that's kind of always bothered me about it. Not that people aren't smart enough to figure out that true crypto believers don't call out Tether more. Because it only helps their case, in my opinion. So, anyways, will. Yeah, um, yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. <laughs> Am I going to? Uh, but you started, Dan, by talking about how we're going to be talking to Kathy Wood and Dan Niles tonight. And I feel like this is such a good moment. At the end of this earnings week, we're trying to figure out where we are. Um, is growth back? <laughs> is it only back for a minute? Were you in a bear market rally? So I wonder, what would you guys want to know? Well, first things first, her, her, her stocks continue to be atrocious. I mean, if you look at it, right, like look, look at all of them. They, they barely rally here um, for the most part. And I think the headlines about what she sells. I mean, when you saw that headline, was it that she sold um, a million and a half shares? Was it shares the of coin? Coinbase? Coinbase. Yeah. Coinbase. Yeah. And her average price was 250 Listen, I'm not... You know, I, I, I've, I've been really clear on this. I'm not going to pile on or, you know, this or whatever. I mean, you know, she just has the wrong vehicle, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? For doing what she wants to do. And I know that she had tremendous inflows this year, even as the returns were getting worse and worse. It just, um, you know, doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense for me. I mean, I've known Dan Niles for a long time. Um, when he was a sell side analyst, you guy and Danny probably remember him too. And um, he was covering semis, covering hardware in the in the turn of the century. And you know, the guy I think made a name for himself being really good at calling turns. Um, you know, intermediate term uh, turns in in different tech. Uh, sectors and, and cycles and you know the, and the like and um, he's really good I mean Dan's really good and I think he he's really transparent I just don't think Kathy has anything interesting to say how many times um, is she going to say to you tonight um, that you know just to invest in innovation to invest in innovation innovation that's their drinking game right there um, and it just doesn't seem to be a great answer I'm just curious your thoughts on that Danny yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that Dan Niles can show Kathy how to model appropriately, you know, value some of these companies. But her her things have always been about themes and, you know, and her, you know, the people pay the price for that because you can express a theme in many ways. She happens to express it in names that are overly expensive, in my opinion, in terms of valuation. And she's such concentration in some of the small and mid cap names. If you're the CEO of some of these large companies, you are now completely beholden. Yes, you got the benefit of her buying your stock on the way up, but all of a sudden you're number one, two or three shareholder in your company, you are at the mercy of that as far as your stock, right? What can happen to your term? So I just think it's a bad structure, Dan, to your point. I don't wish, you know, I wish her well. I just, we all know how this is going to end. And I am amazed, you know, I was joking before, is she coming on tonight for raise money in some form of a 24 hour telethon? What I mean by that is that's her best skill set. 
is her marketing because how there's inflows with that performance that's that's yeah. quite that's quite something hey i want to get guy back in here and debo you probably won't be able to say much about this i i think this comcast move for the second day in a row guy down four and a quarter percent today he was down what ten percent yesterday mm-hmm. this stock traded at its highs last year um, at 62 bucks here we are down here at 37 and um I mean, this is, you know, we talked about a little bit, I think, on Fast Money, the results, uh, you know, like not adding a sub. Um, this is a problem, right? And so I guess, how would you extrapolate this? We heard what AT&T and the, and the, and the telco, like the wireless guys had to say. I mean, this is hitting into some real staple sort of utility stuff here, right, as it relates to the consumer. So uh, how are you thinking about that? Uh, that's a, well, I think that's exactly right. It's, again... It's not anecdotal. I mean, their stories continue to pile up. I mean, the AT&T call, the Walmart call, obviously what Comcast is seeing. I mean, it's across a spectrum of industries, and everybody's pretty much saying the same thing. Meanwhile, the S&P has now rallied literally 500 points from the low we made on June, whatever it was, 15, 16, 36, 36. Uh, to where we are right now, it's pretty remarkable. We actually have been talking about this for a while. Well, the you question, called it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna pat yourself on the back. No, I mean, well, that was your. Because that my was your. I'm too sore and I'm that, too well, wide. Probably. So, but but guy, that was your call in mid June. You had this 4100, 4200 sort of thing. As we got into this week, you said, "Listen, maybe all bets are off." You got to 4050, close enough for government work. I just saw this tweet from this Plum guy, uh, Danny. Your buddies with this guy, right? Yep. Um, he was talking about. Okay, let me, yeah, let me just I'm gonna, let me just find it really quickly because I'd love to get your guys' take on it. He was talking about how bullish sentiment um, in AAII switched to bullish for only the second time this year. Um, the first time was after the March meeting, like the week or two after that. Remember that rip that we had? That was the first rate hike um, in, I don't know, since 2018. And then there was another time. So I'm curious, Guy, are, are you getting ready to kind of say enough is enough here on the broad yeah, market? Absolutely. No, I'm not going to hide from that. I mean, everybody say what a great quarter is for Apple and they're going to say, oh, you're an Apple bat. I'm not. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't care about Apple one way or another. I, what I'll <laughs> tell you is, though, I mean, you're talking about 2% year-over-year revenue. I mean, it's not; these are not staggering numbers. I mean, they were okay numbers, but enough to justify the valuation. So people getting themselves all, you know, hot and bothered over what are marginal quarters. I'll tell you this, and Deirdre can speak to this. The Google quarter, by their standards, I could, and I said this last night, I said it on our podcast, I could probably find five quarters over the last three or four years that were much better quarters by whatever metric you want to use. And the stock performance was not nearly what it was on this one. And it, and you can say that across a, a, a swath of companies. Microsoft was not a great quarter. By the way, uh, just so we're clear, the aftermath of the Microsoft quarter, right after they reported numbers, the stock went from, I think, 253. I think I, think I saw a 242 or so print. Now, the only thing that got saved on that was when they came out and said during the call that they're not seeing uh, demand destruction, which they might not be seeing. I have no idea. But and I think that's what gave them a lifeline that's coming to a theater near you. So I think the question you have to ask yourself over this weekend is the following. Does a VIX of 21 and a half in this environment make sense? Does a 500 point rally off the low in the S&P 500 Makes sense. Is it something you want to stay with? Right. Um, 
Are these quarters good enough to justify the moves that we've seen? And do you really think uh, the Fed, if they do pause, there's not going to be any knee-jerk reaction in the terms of inflation on the back of it? So that's all the things that I'm looking at. And I think those are the things that you have to keep in mind. And by the way, bond yields going lower in this environment. I think Danny will speak to that as well. Um, was, you can say it's a good thing. It ain't a good thing. Back to it you. I was just going to say, it's not a good thing when the 210 is now inverted 25 basis points and, and widening or ste- or deepening, however you want to say that. The, who's smarter? Bond market, fixed income people or equity people? Fixed income people, no. The bond market's telling you the roadmap to what's going to happen. 10-year yields, yes, it's great. It's come in. That takes some stresses off of certain things. Maybe credit spreads tighten a little bit. But not when the two-year does that, because banks aren't aren't willing or do not love lending and borrowing short-term, lending long-term, and losing money in the process. So that's why it becomes self-fulfilling that a 210 inversion kind of slows things down. The other thing I'll say is some of these earnings were good, some were bad, some were right in line. But the one theme to me that emerged wasn't that. It was the unemployment and, and job cuts that are, you know, unemployment has peaked or troughed. Everyone will get 3.6%. That, that's done now. So how quickly that rises, that has one direction to go. So, you know, careful what you wish for. Now, be very careful if inflation numbers don't come in enough, then the Fed still has to go because that's going to make it slow down even worse. Anyway, let's cheer up this Friday, Dan. I want to stay positive. This goes back to your call that you've been making on our podcast on the tape, I think since like freaking last summer, that a stagflationary environment, okay, is not going to be good for stocks. And Guy has been saying this too, that you thought that once we kind of got above that, that uh, what, that five-year peak in the 10-year U.S. Treasury, we got above three and a quarter, we overshot it. It's been like a beeline back to 2.7. And that is that kind of stag part of the, you know, the inflation. The, 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 the latter part is that what you guys have been saying is that the Fed has just basically painted themselves into the, in, a, in a corner, multiple corners, multiple times here. And this one's going to be really hard to get out because the thing that they have to do, what Guy just said, is that if they have to pause rates, then that the, the rate hikes, then that's the thing that gets inflation maybe at least sticking around if not ticking back up if that makes some well, sense yeah dan i mean stock market aside um things aren't going to feel good for a long time we had it so good for so long i mean i even people that didn't that weren't fully bullish in the market like me just throughout life got to enjoy cheap rates cheap things you just took it for granted and you think about how good that was and i think we're going to realize how good that time period was over these next several quarters and potentially years so the stock market can can you know go down way ahead of when we're actually going to see the cycle and that, you know, who it's, I don't think it's going to match up directly, but I just think there's going to be just tons of volatility in the market as we see what I think lies ahead, which is so, truly so, economy. R- yeah. really quick one guys. So yesterday, you know, when Apple or right here, Apple is, is trading above its 200 day moving average, which again, doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but it's really hard to look within the S and P 500 other than staples before today with Procter and energy where those groups, and we know why those groups have kind of shown really good relative strength. Um, this year, um, that's a pretty remarkable sort of thing with Apple only down, you know, single digits or whatever on the year. And Danny, you said it. I think there's a lot of flight to safety crowding in that scenario. Guy, thoughts quickly on the energy space, because look at Chevron up 8% uh, on the day here, or nearly 9%, Exxon up nearly 5%. Um, you were thinking that oil had that quick 
you know, kind of, I don't know, what did it come back to? The 200-day or whatever, a lot of the energy stocks there. Um, oil held the 200-day, and now they seem to be kind of back on their horse. Thoughts here, how you're trading this? I think you got you got it. There's another like just again, my opinion, another like higher in energy here without question. And we talked about it. The president went to Saudi Arabia. It's not coincidence that the price bottomed out, you know, within 24 to 48 hours of that trip. Uh, we actually talked about it heading into it. So, you know, they continue to draw from the SPR. Good luck with that. I, I think crude's going higher and, you know, Exxon and Chevron, Okay, that's great. I mean, you can say they're reasonably valued. The names that are still too cheap are the names in the OIH. And for the first time in a while, the OIH is back above 240. So I just think on valuation alone, those stocks should go higher. And, you know, that's one thing. They Again, Fed wants to pause. They want to pivot. Whatever word you want to use, good luck, folks, because... <sighs> That inflation spigot is going to go right back on. They're, going to, they're just going to chase for the foreseeable future. So I think they, I think the market going down is going to be the collateral damage that needs to happen in order for them to get a handle on a problem that they created and well, they longed for and they begged for for years. And if I sound a little exercised on this Friday, I am. Although I will tell you, Dan, and I know you don't care about this, I'm very excited about the potential of this Giants offensive line. I'm hearing great things about Nick Gates. I think Sean Lemieux is a mauler at guard. Love Evan Neal. And Andrew Thomas is going to quickly become one of the top tackles for the next 10 years. Sorry. You, you know what, Guy? I saw you going back and forth with Jumbo Elliott on, on the Twitter earlier today, and I love that guy. I mean, he is a great follow on the Twitter. He seems to be really get – he gets a lot of things other than just football, right? He gets um, markets, and he also gets politics. I, I really find yeah. him. So, and I'm going to say this, and yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'll insult somebody, but they're the old joke, and I'm sure Danny Moses knows the punchline. Jumbo, of course, being a University of Michigan grad, how do you get an Ohio State grad off your front porch, Dan? I don't know. You pay him for the pizza. Back to you. <laughs> That's great. Oh man, we got hey, look. Look who's hey, on, Dan. Uh, we yeah, we got we got Wall Street cynic. Hopefully, he'll accept our. We'd love to get him in on a Friday afternoon. Hey, Debo, I'd love to get you back. I know you're busy preparing for the big six p.m. special with DanNiles.com and Kathy Wood of the Arc ETF Complex, uh, but. You know, we gave a very special shout out to our friend Josh Lipton, who just completed his first full quarter at the Apple Computer Corporation. And, you know, in my final trade, guy, I don't know if you caught this. I said, listen, we just have to congratulate Josh Lipton on, on a great quarter. Well, hold on. Before Deirdre speaks, <laughs> and I want to hear what she says. Yes. And I did hear you <laughs> say that. But clearly, when I mentioned that Amazon's operating margins were twice what the street is looking for actually the first thing i said you clearly weren't i was not me. listening i am so sorry guy I, and i didn't i hope you didn't take offense by that but uh it was me who was asleep at the wheel all right debo what, what can we give I, josh lipton a grade for his first full quarter at <laughs> apple i mean come on I mean, you'd have to ask our Apple reporter who's listening right now. Um, but I'll certainly accept my congrats to my old pal, Josh Lipton, he, who, by the he's... way, has the best cowboy boots. Um, did you – Guy, what was your name for him? Miami Vice? No, uh, yeah, no, he is – listen, without oh, question, I mean, he good. is Magnum P.I. 
Now, of course, um, the problem with those cowboy boots are, in my car, I'd be hanging them from my uh, rearview mirror. I mean, he's a tiny little man, but back to you. Oh, man. <laughs> Friday. All right. Well, we love okay, Josh. I, no, he called Magnum. Speaking of, speaking of cloud dust, sorry, guys. That is, I, I'm curious now, and I'm eager to ask this because I see Wall Street Cynic has joined the conversation now, too. So curious as to your thoughts on what we saw from the hyperscalers this week after your short call. Hey guys, I, I, sorry. I, I just joined this cause I wanted to hear guys take on the NFL <laughs> training camps. <laughs> I, I didn't know I was going to have to talk about stocks. You accepted the speaker request. Now you're in. By the way, you should join at 6 PM yeah, tonight. She's got some a, good guests that, on. That you. Was, yeah. Do, do you want to come on at 6 PM? That, that was a joke, Deidre. That was a joke. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I know, Never I miss an opportunity. I, I know. Um, the hyperscalers are doing just fine. Um, it's the data centers that aren't. Um, the hyperscalers grew at uh, the Amazon grew at forty percent. AWS grew at forty percent. Microsoft grew at forty percent. Uh, Google Google Cloud grew at thirty six percent. And so, uh, I mean, the numbers are. Excuse me. Amazon was thirty down from thirty three, but still thirty percent growth on seventy five billion dollars of revenues. Pretty amazing. Um, so they're still all taking market share. Um, you know, the digital uh, realty reported last night that uh, reported 4% growth. So, you know, that, that kind of says it all, right? I mean, it's just the hyper, the cloud is still taking share there. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, is slowing down from ridiculous levels of growth to just really, really high levels of growth. Um, but it's pretty impressive if you're Amazon and you have $75 billion of, cloud revenue and you're still growing at a 30 percent a year all right hey, hey um so just to be really clear on that i think there was remember a few weeks ago i think somebody on cnbc was reporting that you were shorting the cloud you were very clear you were not shorting <laughs> hold on you are that not... was us we did not say you were shorting the cloud that's well no i well i'm not trying <laughs> I to, dispute I'm, that. i'm not trying to get all up in your grill that was the thing that i think the twitter folks were taking away from it that, um, no i know that was yeah the those are two different things dan that. yeah yeah, hey, well, Jim, we, yeah, we're, we're shorting the stuff. we're shorting the legacy data centers who are yeah, who are victims victims of the cloud. Perfect, Jim. While we have you on, let's talk about some other things. I, really, more about behavioral finance. It's Danny, by the way. Um, hey, Danny. Hey, buddy. Um, more about behavioral finance, anyway. I mean, is it is it getting easier to see these patterns are a little becoming a little bit too easy to identify in terms of the mania kind of in the markets and feeling the emotion and what people are trading and what they're selling on? So I just curious your thoughts here on that on the market in general. I mean, I, I, you know, you know my thoughts on the market that aren't worth anything. Um, it, it, I don't know. I mean, I I saw well known strategists compare this to August of '82. I put my first sell report out as an analyst on August seventeenth, nineteen eighty two. I can assure you, this market is not like August of '82. Yep. Um, and, and you know, we don't trade at seven times earnings after a sixteen uh, year bear market with interest rates coming down from fourteen percent to zero. Um, so, I mean, people are looking for, you know, reach for analogs because we're humans and that's what we do. And every market is different. Um, I do, what I do find a little bit surprising, and I posted this morning, is just how quickly financial conditions have eased in the month of July. Um, you know, as you guys mentioned, the 10 years down dramatically, uh, spreads are down a hundred basis points, um, we have the market pricing in Fed ease in early 2023. We have mortgage rates down uh, pretty sharply, um, and uh, and we have a stock market that that 
you know, is having one of its best months in two years. Um, and inflation expectations are down to 2% for next, 2 to 3% for next year. So the Fed's done, right? And, and, uh, and, and financial conditions are easing and the party's <laughs> back on. Um, if, if commodity prices start going back up, and I would note, take a look at Caterpillar today or Freeport in the last few weeks. If commodity prices, industrial commodity prices, and even ag commodity prices start heading back up as opposed to collapsing as the market co- the, thought they would, um, you're going to get another change in the narrative here pretty quickly. Um, people are going to start to worry, as you said, that um, that maybe we're not going into the you know the great recession or a mild recession or any recession, and um, and that pricing is going to be hard to to keep down. Rents keep going up, wages keep going up, healthcare costs keep going up. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just shocked who would be buying a ten year treasury at two point six percent. Um, even even if you thought inflation was coming back down to two, with nominal GDP, you know, long term at four, you know, who in who in the right mind is buying buying a ten year treasury at two point six percent? It just feels like a, a little bit of resetting of the sixty forty trade that obviously hurt a yeah. lot of people recently. But yeah, that's all it is pretty much is a trade. What I think it's telling you is that the Fed um, is going to overshoot if they're not careful or they have no choice but to overshoot for how you just described what may happen if you know we get a rally in oil and commodities just in general. That's inflationary by itself. So to me, whether it's a, whether it's a buy or a sell the tenure, to me, it's more of a signal. But I was just trying to get to maybe you don't have to go over your names. You've, you've talked about certain of your names, which are out there that are short, but how you manage to trade those from a risk management perspective in a market like this, right? You take some off, obviously, you add, add it back, but you have long duration capital, so to speak. So it gives you, I think you have a huge, huge advantage to do that. But curious how you're thinking about that right now, how you're managing that. Yeah, and, and, and we use the derivatives markets too. So, um, you know, to express express bets, which in these kinds of markets is, is, is not a bad thing to do because if you're wrong temporarily, you can reset higher and, and you know what your losses are. And so then vols are coming back down again. I mean, they were in the 30s. They're in the low 20s again. And if they get into the high teens, uh, you know, buying put put protection is going to be pretty cheap again, particularly with a lot of stocks. I mean, you know, as always in, in every rally, a lot of our stocks are up 40, 50 percent. Hey, Jim, let me ask you this question. And it's something hopefully Guy can get in here on this, because this is something we we're kind of talking about before you hopped on here, is that if everything that you said is true about just kind of the Fed possibly being done, I mean, there's some strategists out no, there. No, I'm not saying the, I'm not saying the Fed's done. I, the market, the market well, the mar- is getting the market, excited about the Fed being done. Correct. But there's also a lot of I, I mean, there's there's some bottom calls here. There's people saying that it's over. It's done, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I guess my you know, the, the, the thing that Danny's been talking about again and Guy has mentioned this on many occasions over the last few months is that careful what you wish for, because then if you've got the stagflationary sort of situation going, that's not going to be good for stocks. It's not going to be good for valuations. And we haven't seen this sort of valuation reset. Um, forget forget the stuff that's been correcting for over a year now, but we're, we're really talking about kind of, you know, stocks that people got very comfortable with, let's say, high single digits earnings and sales growth trading at 24, 25 times. Those haven't really been reset yet. S&P no, earnings no. for this year haven't been reset yet. So curious your thoughts on that, because we had David Rosenberg on the podcast that dropped this morning um, that, you know, he thinks the big surprise is going to be the duration of the recession, however you want to define it. 
And then obviously the bear market that comes with it, because, you know, the S&P was in a bear market for just, you know, a couple of weeks this year. Yeah, I mean, it's down. It's down, I think, with dividends now down about four or five percent over the year over year. Um, It's, you know, if this is we forget how strong 2021 was. Um, But this will be the first recession with up earnings if it happens. Um, and, and, and maybe it's already happened, right? And and so that the bulls will say that just shows you how resilient the, the corporate sector is in the U.S. Um, we can have a longer talk about you know the politics of capital versus labor and all that good stuff. But but this will be the first sort of triggered recession where where S and P earnings are are basically expected to be up. Um, that that's highly highly unusual in fact i don't know what's happened in the modern era well but jim though is that because so much of those earnings are concentrated within companies like we've never seen before the moats that they have the central monopolies that they have here and we're just seeing it you know we talked about it this week you know look at microsoft look at apple google amazon um you know all seeing what we would say are not particularly great, you know, results and guidance, but the stock performance is just, you know, it's just this crowding into this perceived safety. And is that a big part of it? And then the last thing I just want to ask you this question is that, so it would be this odd recession and it's not done yet um, by any means, you know, forget the definition of it. I know that there was a lot of talk about the MBER and what they, how they calculate. And you look at these six categories and they're all up and this and that, whatever, maybe it hasn't even really begun yet. You know, and the last mm-hmm. thing I would just say is, unemployment and housing can you kind of loop those into your thoughts about what we're like yeah i mean we're, we're getting on un- we're getting you know initial claims are are up up from record lows but they're still what 240 250 that's really low number so it's not like we're seeing lots of layoffs we're seeing headline layoffs in kind of well-known companies but we're not seeing lots of layoffs and and uh, and then you know let's not forget we just had two Basically, we're about to pass, or, or have passed, I guess one of them maybe is about to pass, two massive stimulus bills in the month of July. Uh, I mean, you know, a $55 billion gift to the semiconductor industry. And then I don't care what you want to call the reconciliation bill, but it's going to actually increase the deficit. It won't be revenue neutral because they're talking about closing the, the deficit with higher IRS enforcement, which, <laughs> good luck. Um so, you know, you're getting expansionary fiscal policy um, as well. So there's lots of strange cross currents for an, for an economy that's either supposedly in a recession or about to go into a recession. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I think it's basically, you know, is it, it, you, you guys have referenced better than I can. I, it's a whole generation of investors who just cannot get off the idea that they need assistance from central banks and ultra low interest rates because ultra low interest rates affect everything. And, you know, it, it, as Danny said, I mean, even if you're you know a market skeptic or a bear or whatever, you've benefited from low interest rates. And I, I keep saying the one thing financial markets are not prepared for and are not set up for are structurally higher interest rates over a long period of time. That's no, right. one's, no one's seen that. Yep. We barely raised and things basically shut down from like yeah, two, I mean, two as I keep, yeah. what what's what's the equity risk premium in this market if three percent interest rates derail a four percent nominal economy? And the, that's the, why the, I, I can't stress that enough. Three percent interest rates, you know, basically derailed 
a, an economy with 4% nominal GDP long-term you know, growth prospects, 2% real, 2% inflation. That, that, there's something wrong if that's the case. Yeah, it's a financially geared economy. And why credit spreads tighten like that so quickly tells you that. Because that shouldn't, it shouldn't widen out so quickly. It shouldn't tighten like that. But it's, it is, is so leveraged, so to speak, in the system. <laughs> amount of, le- you know, the amount of financial gearing, uh, yeah. you know, that, that's out there. So yeah, that's really amazing. Yeah, you got to get in here. First of all, Jim, I don't know. I know you're a Wisconsin guy, by the way. I got my ass kicked in Wisconsin once for you movie <laughs> fans out there. But that Aaron Rodgers video, I mean, seriously, dude, come on, work with me, Jim. Was that staged? Because is he either, he's either the biggest Johnson in the history of Johnsons, or he's the biggest genius in the history of genius, or maybe both. I don't know. Thoughts? He's a really good quarterback guy, um, you know, and, and uh, he's got his work cut out for him uh, this year. You know, he lost uh, Devontae Adams. I know. But, uh, but then again, we play the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions. So, uh, you know, it's it's like, you know, it, if you have to play the Giants and the and the commanders or whatever the hell they're called and the, you know the eagles all the time you know you, you it's it's your work I'm is telling a little you bit... right now jim chanos i'm just telling you this right now the lions are not that far away number one and the giants are going to be you know and i know the difference in the nfl between five and twelve and twelve and five is not as wide as people would think and i like you know you're gonna say oh, you're a fair weather giant fan I'm telling you right now, this giant offensive line is going to be stout. Their defense is going to be vastly improved, and I love this new coaching staff. And for you Daniel Jones haters out there, he's not only the most athletic person on the team, he might be one of the top 15 athletes in the league, and he is going to figure this out. Everybody wants instant gratification at that position. It doesn't happen unless your name is, you know, Maybe Lamar Jackson and maybe a couple of other people. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, uh, um, what's Mahomes in Kansas City? But it doesn't happen every day. Daniel so, Jones is legit. Back to you. Yeah. So, 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 you know, I, I have an office. Uh, I live in New York City, as you know. So I have friends and I have office mates and they're almost all giant fans. So I, I get this every July and August that this is the all year. Right, here we, all right. Re, rebook, knock rebook, me down. I rebook, gotcha. rebook your Super Bowl because this is the year the Giants come back. They right, here's my feet. last question. And, and hold, on, hold on, would hold you... on, hold on, hold on. And as, as a Packer fan, all I would tell you is I've been used to this for 60-some years living with and around Chicago's Bears fans because the Bears fans will tell me every July and August, this is the year you watch. We take it all. We've got a good young quarterback. We got a great defense. This is the Bears year. And uh, you know, you know how that ends. So Hey Jim. So Debo has a six PM interview with Kathy Wood. If you were if you were conducting that interview, what would be the first three questions that you would ask? I'm just curious. I'm not going to comment on that. So all right, right. Danny, let me get in. Let me get in here one because you know, uh, Jim. I don't know. Maybe we talked about this when I saw you last week. So, so at six ninety in Tesla prior to their earnings, I I, I bought a a short dated put spread a couple weeks. Obviously, Danny told me uh, while he's all in with me, he's like, "You're going to watch that go poof," Um, which which I did, Um, and I'm not laughing about it because I obviously that was a win win for me. If I was wrong, I was happy, and if I was right, I was. So 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 that so then. 
Danny says, dude, dude, just buy some of that TL, TLSQ, the, the inverse ETF to it. So I've done that and I'm down, um, you know, easily 15% in, in just a, a couple of weeks since that. Talk to us a little bit about what you saw with, with, uh, with this uh, fiscal, you know, uh, the, what do they call it? The inflation reduction um, bill, which is just crazy. It's just absolutely yeah. crazy. I yeah. Mean, so what, what, what are you taking away from, from that bill and what it means for the EV space? It, it, it's a mad, well, it, it's, it's, it actually doesn't help Tesla that much, by the way. It, it's going to help lots of guys below their pricing umbrella um, because there's an income test on the EV credit and uh, and uh, and, a, and a price cap uh, on the cars. So Tesla's going to have to get their 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 pricing back down under fifty five thousand. Um, and so the, it does affect a lot of the people that are that are bringing out cars, you know, down in the forty thousand dollar range. Um, but you know it's a net positive. I mean, it's a net. Uh, there's just tons of giveaways in the bill for all kinds of companies. You see what the solar stocks are doing, and um, it's going to be you know another boondog. I'm much more concerned about how easy it was for the semiconductor bill to pass. That 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 to me was a, that to me was really bad policy. Not because we don't need to 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 bring the semiconductor you know industry close to home for national defense reasons, but there are far better ways to do it than than the way we did it and you know it, it just continues a trend of silicon valley kind of holding up the taxpayer these companies did not need our assistance um and if they don't think it's in their best interest to stop building fabs in the far east in taiwan or korea um you know then then why does taxpayer money have to to you know push them over the line they should know that themselves it's it, it, it's just bad policy and and it also tells me it also just tells me if we if you think about the amount of stimulus that came into the US economy relatively easily after covid if we go into a deep recession not what we have now but a really what do you think the floodgates will look like i mean it, it there there will be no lack of of uh, resolve at all to 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 not just spend just trillions of dollars and uh that's that's why i can't get too excited about a super deflationary case because kind of 2020 and 2021 changed that that dynamic um we're going to uh, we're going to spend money we don't have at all costs How about the state of new york there's a nice gift they gave billion dollar plan or whatever that was that was a but, nice right off there too so but yeah. follow up on that one really quickly jim so yeah. doesn't that make the case why why yields are never really going to go up meaningfully ever again no it's the opposite i think it makes the case is is to to why you're structurally not going to keep get inflation down to two percent and and that that those days maybe maybe behind us that we're looking at structurally higher nominal gdp structurally higher price component of that and uh and and, and really just you know worrying about worrying about the inflation side of things uh, from a central bank's point of view, um, that's that's really uh, that would be a big change because again, then you're just looking at nominally higher interest rates. Um, real rates are negative right now. Yes, thank you, thank you, and real wage growth. I mean, who's getting screwed here? I mean, it's crazy. It's yeah. by the way, since you mentioned uh, chips, and I listen. I mean, I don't know the guy, but that Intel quarter. Yeah, that's about as bad as it gets. It does not get much worse. They sucked at everything. And I said that on TV last night, and I'm not looking for you to opine, but 
that was comical. Back to you, Dan. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. I, I think we we covered a lot of ground. We had we had Debo here. I'm going to check out her DanNiles.com interview with also Kathy Wood at six o'clock. Um, Demo. <laughs> hey, well, hey, let me let me just. I'm going to I'm going to get going, guys. Great to see you. Let me just make one little funny observation on that. They had a promo about an hour ago, and it, and they were t- said they were going to have I guess Kathy Wood and, uh, and and Dan Niles on, and I got a kick out of the anchor who said. And Dan Niles uh, was negative on the tech stocks on Monday. And he, you know, boy, was that wrong or something to that effect. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're going to have Kathy Wood on and Dan Niles and you're going to chide him for being wrong for three days? Right, amazing. Uh, oh, my it's God. where we are. It's where we are. All right. Have a good we weekend. All right, too, Jimmy. Thanks, man. What a shit, Jim. Hey, <laughs> let me up there at Yale one of these days because that's the only way I'm going to get in this if you invite me. <laughs> anytime guy anytime you gotta buy the pizza <laughs> all right peeps listen um thanks jim chanos thanks deirdre bosa demo danny moses guy adami listen guys i am out you're not gonna see me until the 9th of august you won't see me on twitter you won't hear my stupid voice you won't see my dumb face um i know that you guys are gonna all be missing did you see danny the guy and i both had pretty hot haircuts yesterday yours especially can i ask you a question you have to yeah. answer within yeah. within 50 dollars. Yeah. how much does that haircut cost 55 bucks that's pretty good, man. That's yeah. really and, good. And you know what? I, I got to tell you something. It's actually gone viral in many ways in my in my social graph. I get I get hit up all the time about it. And you know what? I just say to people as like if if George Clooney and John Hamm <laughs> had a hair baby, it would be what's on top of my head, and we can leave it at that. Now I don't have to guys. talk to you after that till August 9th. Perfect. All right. All listen, right, if you guys if you guys want more of this, we're gonna throw it in our podcast feed. But definitely listen to our discussion, Danny guy and I. We had a good discussion of the week that was it was a little very different than actually what we just talked about here and then we also had a 40-minute interview with uh david rosenberg of rosenberg research and he gives us his take on all of this so thanks to jim thanks to debo guy danny amanda thanks for all of this and i'll see you guys in a week or so 